So, I'm sat here with Cal Newstead. Kelly. Um, you got to forgive my Worcester accent because I say my A's like Cal instead of Kel. No problem. I can be Cal or Kel. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Cool. So, um, Cal is going to join us this week on the podcast just to give us a little bit of an insight into yoga, her experiences, um, how it can benefit or not benefit maybe performers within the music industry, the entertainment industry. Hopefully she's going to talk a little bit about her experience, uh, what she's been through and her journey. So um, yeah, hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, it's, it's a pleasure. <laughs> so um, what got you into yoga in the first place? Where did it oh, all begin for you? Such a good question. Um, my yoga journey, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, such a yoga teacher thing to say, um, began probably 11 years ago, maybe more, maybe 12 years ago when I first moved out of home. I live in um, the city here in Adelaide and um, the only yoga that was around at that time here was Bikram. And Ooh. so that's how my uh, that's how my yoga journey began for a couple of years. It just was about practicing Bikram and getting sweaty with, you know, 60 other souls in a room and, um, yeah, turning into a puddle. That's how, cool. my, how my yoga started. So for people who um, who might be listening to this and haven't got much experience in yoga, can you kind of sure. describe what Bikram is? Sure, sure. Well, Bikram is actually the name of the founder of this style. There are different styles of movement um, in yoga. There's mm-hmm. lots of different names for lots of different things. But right. um, Bikram is a style of yoga where you practice the same 26 postures. or I think, Yeah, I think it's 26. Um in the same order for the same amount of time um, for a 90 minute class. It goes, it's, it's, the room's heated to, third, uh, I think it's 40 degrees. I think it's 40 degrees. Where I went, I felt like it was like a, it was like Mordor when I went. Um, <laughs> Mordor yoga. Yeah, it was really, really bloody hot. Um, there's mirrors, there's fluoro lights, and it's, um, yeah, it was my first introduction to yoga mm-hmm. um, that didn't look like someone in an orange robe which was my original idea of what yoga yeah. was. But yeah, Bikram was the physicality of um, being really, really hot and pushing really, really hard. And um, yeah, that's that's what, that's what that's the style. <laughs> that doesn't sound very relaxing. Um, for, you know, I looking back now, I mean, it's been 12 years. It's been, I, I still, I've been to Bikram, you know, once or twice in the last kind of 10 years. Um, <laughs> But looking back, I think that there, for me, definitely was benefit in the repetition of practice. Mm. Um, so in some ways, there's a tune out of what's going on externally and a tune in of what's occurring internally when you practice the same thing for the same amount of time under the same conditions. And the one thing that changes is, is you. So I think that, yeah, it, it can, it's definitely, it can be relaxing in a way in terms of like, um, there's a methodical way about it that yeah. that doesn't require a lot of thinking a lot of the time and it, it, naturally what occurs is a bit more feeling um but for me it was a style and is still where what i feel and felt was stress now you've moved yeah. more towards i would say exclusively towards vinyasa or well interesting i practice a style that kind of falls under what you would call um like hatha yoga or power vinyasa yoga there's different lineages there's a long lineage tree that i just i'm not going to get into today because i don't have a textbook in front of me um but where the 
the physicality um, of what I what I teach and what I practice is called vinyasa. It's one style that I practice where there's um, a lot of physical movement. I practice other styles as well, um, and I teach another style called yin. Mm -hmm. So yin, if you think of vinyasa as being a more fluid, um, dynamic. Um, one breath, one movement, it's a breath-centric focus and an asana, which is a posture or shape-centric um, focus to um, move you towards the inner world. Vinyasa is the physical um, and yin is, oh, vinyasa, sorry, is kind of more like the yang or like the dynamicism, the movement, the, um, it's, oh, for me, it feels like a dance. It feels almost uh -huh. like a dance. Okay. Yeah, and, and yin, the, the other style that I teach um, is a, uh, it's a practice that's a lot kind of younger in terms of how long people have been putting this particular style of posture into their practice. Um, and it's a, it's a floor-based practice generally where you let time, body weight and gravity do the work and you're propped up and it stresses more into joints and ligaments um, to find new synovial fluid into the joints and ligaments rather than necessary, and joint capsules particularly, but rather than using muscular contraction, which right. you would use in a vinyasa practice. Okay. That's a lot of jargon. <laughs> no, I mean, it's interesting to know. From all of that, one thing I really wanted to touch on, which interested me, was mm. what you meant by the inner world. That sounds yeah. pretty, like, <laughs> yeah. like, it sounds pretty exclusive, like we're not yeah. privy to know what that is. Yeah, well, it's different for everyone. I, um, I, I read this beautiful quote from a beautiful yoga teacher in Sydney a while ago, and she, she said, um, the job of the yogi is to traverse the inner world. And that's the, um, that's kind of the, if I was to teach you or to teach anyone a traditional yoga class, mm. I would be in meditation for an eon. That's, that's the real yoga. Yoga, the word means to yoke or to unionize um, or to merge basically. And it's to merge the individual with um, the greater cosmos or the divine or God or whatever you want to call it. Use whatever vernacular makes you happy. But that is, um, that's, the, that's the basis of where the practice, what we would call the practice of yoga, mm. comes from. So, yeah, I've, I use that term a lot in my own practice. I'm traversing the inner world. What's occurring for me inside is different for what's occurring to, for you. Okay. But we're two drops in the same ocean and at the same time where the ocean in two drops. So it's, it's, it's very much about connectivity and or being part of, of something bigger? Completely, yeah. It's being attuned to your own to know that you are not separate from anything else. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a really um, definitely a philosophical concept mm. that we definitely for me as a vinyasa teacher part of what I teach and part of what I attempt to teach in some way or another and part of what I learn when I'm teaching is how to dissolve the barriers between you and me or me and the world or me and that dickhead who cut me off in traffic like to understand like to to realize what's occurring inside yeah that's that's part of it yeah for sure but I, I find it very interesting with yoga because it's Am I right in saying it because it's not a, what we would probably think of as a formal religion? Correct. It's a spirituality or, um, I, yeah, I, I butted up against this when I was doing my teacher training quite drastically. I came from a household that was not just not religious, but anti-religion. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it took a lot um, of self 
traversing or self-work really or like exploring what I thought and what I really genuinely felt about that idea of ascribing toward a way of thinking that was regimented Mm. but not in a religious context for me for me it feels and lots of texts there's really um, beautiful uh, um, what would I call him he's like a a professor of yoga he's passed away now his name's Georg Ferestein and he's a scholar of Mm. yoga and he talks about yoga as not being a religion as such it's a spirituality the way I like to think about it is just your way of being how you are because eventually the way and what you see when you're moving in a room where it's hot and you're a bit tired and the teacher's asking you to do some crazy, not even crazy ass pose, but like to stay there standing on one leg for like a minute and a half. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like why? (laughs) There's, you know, there's this, there's all this other stuff that comes up that isn't necessarily, yeah, that isn't just, that you're standing on one leg, like there's other things that come up and how you deal with that translates itself from this moment or that moment standing on one leg to how do I feel when my partner doesn't empty the dishwasher? Like how do I feel about death? Like it all translates itself into every facet of your life. For me, that's my experience. No, no, no. That's that's my experience, yeah. Yeah. I I guess it's one of those and and I... I know you're certainly not trying to impose this, but it's it's not like a rule of thumb, like, this is how yoga works, and this is the only way you can view it. Absolutely not. There's <laughs> nothing like that. Um, as far as I know, no. I mean, definitely, I come from a studio and a, and a lineage that isn't dogmatic. Mm-hmm. So the, any dogma that I have around is in, in yoga, I would say sits firmly in the postural world, and that means in terms of body movement and okay. that dogma is surrounding joint health long term. Yeah. That's where my dogma sits. My dogma does not sit around like chant this many times a day or I don't know, like anything yeah. or think this way or love every single human you ever meet. Like it doesn't, I, ideally I'd love to do that, but I can't, like the transcendence of that is full on and I yeah. just think, you know, I've got a couple more lifetimes to go. <laughs> Before I stop flipping off the guy who cuts me off in traffic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's funny how you say it. it, it, it it's got a, a relation to, to everything else you do in life. And yes. something I find with a lot of with musicians or, or actors or anybody in that kind of entertainment industry is, um, and it's so easy to generalize this, but we go on stage and you're putting on an act, you're putting on a shirt and you're wearing one mask. For sure. And what you see is that person on stage. And then they could come backstage and be an absolute dick to For someone, sure. treat the staff bad or or be feeling horrible inside. Yeah. Do you think, it's a, a very broad question, but the practice of yoga can, can I don't want to say make you happier because that seems way too broad, <laughs> but can it have a positive impact on your life? Um, do I believe that? Absolutely. In my experience, that's exactly what you've just described has transpired for me. So um, the masks or the facades that I used to wear and the the transitioning from and I'm not saying I don't transition between work and home Mm. like of course I naturally transition or when I'm teaching a class to when I go home and when I'm with my parents am I a bit different to when I'm with when I'm out on a Saturday night I don't go out on a Saturday night but if I was (laughs) to go out on a Saturday night um, you know, like, would I be different? I'm joking, I do go out sometimes. It's all right. Um, <laughs> like, would it be different? Yes, of course, but the underlying who I am doesn't change as much. So the, the me that you see now mm-hmm. and the me that you see when I'm teaching a yoga class 
yeah. we're the same person. And so for me, in my in my own personal studying, my my um, kind of delving into the world of yoga, mm-hmm. um, yes, exactly that. I have become a more. I wouldn't say that the the pathway is a happy one at all times, yeah. but the likelihood that day to day I feel more settled and grounded and like loved by myself is much higher. That happens okay. a lot more for me. Yeah, for sure. But to get there for me, there's been a lot of other kind of uncomfortable, not kind of, extremely uncomfortable things mm. that I've looked at and felt more importantly than um you know, logically understanding. I, I quite like logic and I and you know, the girl that loved algebra at school. But um, yeah, for me, my experience is I am more comfortable within myself and more able to express that in a way that's authentic without having to have one mask for here, one mask for there, because that's tiring. It is. It's exhausting and yeah. it's debilitating for mm-hmm. some people. It's extremely debilitating. And the lie that, or the inadequacies that you feel, that I have felt, I will use myself as an example, that I have felt, they don't have as much power when you look at them and truly, when you truly look at them Mm -hmm. and truly feel them and understand where they come from. And there's yogic philosophy around that. That's been my teacher training experience with, um, particularly with Power Living, but with other studios as well. It's really interesting touching on myself and, and you say about like, these, the masks we have to wear. Mm. And I remember listening to a podcast um, with Gene Simmons on it, the the guy from Kiss. Yes. And he was saying, always look like a star. So mm. when he's on stage, when he's doing a press conference, whenever he's in the public eye, which is whenever he steps outside, he's got to have, you know, like the leather jeans sure. on. The, and he's got to be Gene Simmons. He's got to be that rock star. And he has to put that on constantly, all day. And obviously, I don't know Gene Simmons, I can't speak for him. But it, yeah, God, it sounds tiring. And yeah. it, it's just a constant act. Yeah, and we all do it. Like, whether you think you do it when you walk on stage. And I mean, for some people, you know, definitely maybe for some people, that's their living. And there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a necessity of that in a certain way to play a role or to have a role. And... You know, I don't want to speak for whether or not that's right or wrong. I think that in some cases, 100%, that's entirely appropriate for Gene Simmons to rock up to a Kiss concert and not look like the guy who's fronts Kiss yeah. would be a rip-off. Like, it is, isn't point? it? You expect yeah, it. There's like, an expecta- the yeah, there's an expectation that he will look and behave a certain way. Yeah. But if that doesn't resonate, in my opinion, if that doesn't resonate at all with who you are, and how you feel or can feel, because I assume you have to get pretty bloody amped up to rock up as Gene Simmons, <laughs> um, then, yeah, that that to me is where the dis-ease is. Mm. The uncomfortableness of moving from one place to another. And I definitely, I'm not Gene Simmons by any stretch, but I do, obviously. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I what know, am I interviewing you for? <laughs> rip off. Um, no, but I, I definitely think that in the past I believe in the past for me I had one way of being Mm. and then multiple other ways of being that all felt fake not one of them felt real enough because the real thing wasn't allowed to be there for me 
I see. I've got so many questions, and we're touching on all of these points, and I'm gonna like end up backtracking okay. to some of this stuff. But I also don't have multiple personality disorder. Just I'm not judging. Clear. It's fine. It's, it's, I, good. I, it's a real thing, and I just want to be clear. It's the extremity of it is is for most of us not as extreme as Gene Simmons. Mm. And I'm not saying that he does have any disorders whatsoever, but what I mean is they can be subtle things, yeah. subtle changes in my experience. They don't have to be these huge makeup, no makeup, yeah. you know. It, it is very weird when you, you read about some of these rock stars and uh, like Alice Cooper, he's um, uh, Damien Fernier, I believe is his real name. Mm-hmm. And he's this, uh, like Alice Cooper, the guy you see on stage with the snakes mm-hmm. and like, beheading people and all this horrific stuff. Oh. He teaches Bible classes to children mm. away from the stage and he's a completely different person. Um, and they might both be true. Mm. I mean, if he's happy, like, good on him. It's just about, that sounded quite Australian, didn't it, then? Good on him. Good on him. Was that? Yeah, 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 it was I'm, pretty fun. I'm getting a bit, yeah, I'm getting, <laughs> getting kind of local now. Getting under the skin. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, just before we move on, I had a really cool yes. quote the other day, which, well, not really a quote, unless not I'm going to come up with, like, some great, like, okay. <laughs> Dickens wrote. Yeah. Um, which was, um, in a bar, somebody, um, Somebody like a bartender was saying to a woman, he was like, "Oh yeah, do you want do you want a schooner? Do you want a pint?" And she went, "Oh, we're not here to fuck spiders." Oh yeah, that's an oddity thing. I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "What are you talking yeah, about?" Yeah, yeah. And we're not here to fuck spiders. We're not here to yeah, fuck yeah, spiders. Yeah, I was like, yeah. "Cool." Yeah. I'm I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going back to what you were saying about, <laughs> oh, I know, right? It it just stays with you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Keep going. We're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> yeah. Going back to what you just mentioned about about being fake. I'm really yeah. interested in how yoga is portrayed in the media because there seems to be so many different, like you were saying about Bikram, which is just mm. a lot of sweaty bodies in a room. And then mm-hmm. there's um, this kind of calming nature to it. And, and there's kind of what I like to call mum yoga. When it's, you know, it's like, oh, we're like in our 30s or 40s, but we're still cool. We're working on our mum bods, which is fine if that's what you want to do. But, you know, even to the point where you look on Instagram and people, it's like, oh, here's me doing these amazing poses. Mm which most of us probably can't ever do. Mm. And it's all, you know, just to get Instagram followers. I mean, totally. does that annoy you? Does it annoy me? The sad thing about being a yoga teacher in this day and age is that a method to connect with people is social media. Mm. But I going back to kind of the first part of what you said, yes, I think that in media or in general populist understanding what does the word yoga mean? Like, f- for most people, what they think of is some crazy headstand or a handstand or some, yeah. you know, pose where you're a pretzel. And the reality is, for most people, that is not, not only not attainable, mm. it's irrelevant. Like, Why? Why is that irrelevant? I think it's irrelevant because it says nothing to how you are. Okay. Like, being able to, being able anatomically... To hold a handstand says nothing about the state of your relationship with your mother-in-law or the state of your relationship with yourself or your mental health. It says nothing, in my opinion, about how you like how you really are. So at from moment to moment, there is in me an envy that I can't hold a handstand for 10 seconds. Like right. but yeah. there's also in me, you know, the understanding that 
physicality is for the physical nature of yoga, as in what we in the West understand as yoga, Uh because it's different in the East, but what we understand in the West as yoga is the pathway in. So it is the way that people come to yoga. I'm the, that's how I came. Mm-hmm. I came for the physicality, for the sweat, for the like repetition, for the being almost like yell, borderline told off in a yoga class, like n- paternally, not maternally, like told off. Yeah. That is for people the first step foray into yoga. For many, not for all, but definitely for many. And f- I think that there is in the society I live in right now and the one I operate in, if that's the step in, great. Yeah. Come in. Because in my experience it's an inclusive it's an inclusive place, it's not an exclusive place. But the things you see appear exclusive. And the pathway to get to the posture or to get to the whatever realisation you have or transcendence or whatever you want to call it isn't um, overnight. No. No, it, it's it's pretty amazing. I um, I had a conversation with Adam, um, one of the other yoga instructors. Yeah, Adam uh, Whiting. Uh, yeah, he he's he's great, right? He's a phenomenal teacher. He's one of he's my teacher. When I think of someone who's my teacher, Adam is someone that I'm like, I will sit at your feet and I will listen to whatever you say. He's great. He's yeah. just he's so knowledgeable and he's just hilarious to be in a class. It's difficult to be in his classes because he just makes you laugh. Mm. I mean, you nearly fall over. Mm. But it's, it's all fun. Mm. And uh, we were we were talking today about drunk yoga. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but no. it's... Have you not? It's so much fun. Is um, it? Okay. It's... Um, <laughs> yeah. A, a friend of mine, we were... Um, we'd had, like, a few beers, and we were... I don't know why we were just... Because like, she does a bit of yoga as well. We were like, oh, yeah, we just can't do... Can't do that side crow, so... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Why not which, now? Which is... Yeah. Um, to people who don't know, it's... It's an arm balance. Yeah, it's where you're twisted over. So you're squatting down, knees together, you twist over to one way, hook the elbows on the outside of the thigh, and then you balance on your hands, toes off the floor. So you're levitating your whole body weight and just resting it. Yeah. Yeah. So we tried doing it on concrete um, after a couple of beers. No, we were all right. It was okay. We sort of slipped a bit and had (laughs) a laugh, but it was okay. Yeah. And then I told Adam this, and he was like, okay, let's do it properly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, because that that for, like, in this day and age, that's the dogma of keeping people safe. Because people, yeah, I teach a lot of level one classes, as in um, there's not a huge distinction between level one and level two at the studio that I teach at, but there is in a level one class like, hey, let's move you pathway to pose, as in this is going to take you a year, Mm. but let's move you there safely. Yeah. So, and at some point, for sure, you're going to have to lift your feet off the floor, which means there's, you know, a 10 centimetre possibility that you're going to face plant. And at one stage you will, and you will be okay because yeah. it's only 10 centimetres. Um, but there's fear around that for people. But that's the dogma of keeping people safe, that we're like this way so you don't insert injury here. And there are lots of injuries in the yoga world. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today because... I, like you know myself I've suffered with like wrist injuries and from playing drums and I, I know some older drummers um, and, like guitar players any kind of musicians really who have been playing with instruments on their back and mm-hmm. lugging gear in and out of vans for 10 mm-hmm. 20 30 years mm-hmm. and it, obviously it's it's gonna wear you down after time do you think that there are physical benefits towards yoga but equally if it's practiced wrong we can actually hurt ourselves more yeah I think um <clears throat> excuse me let me just think about that for a second yes I think that 
my first answer is yes, of course, I think there are physical benefits to yoga. Motion is lotion. Moving yourself around is the best way to physically keep your body safe. Mm-hmm. They say your next, the next best posture you can... No, your best posture is your next one. So the staticness that a lot of people experience, repet, repetish, repetitious sitting down, a lot of people you know, spend hours mm. every day seated, yeah. neck reaching forwards, slumped over shoulders um protracted like they spend a lot of time but not with any strength just passively protracted like or you know they spend a lot of time looking in a certain direction or whatever it is yes i think moving around is definitely like speak to any physiotherapist they're going to be like move the fuck around (laughs) Um, but i think um i think like anything too much of doing the same thing creates like creates not rhythm it creates like you wear the effects of doing the same thing no matter what you do. Mm. If you always eat KFC, you're going to wear the effects of always eating KFC. Yeah. If you always if you always practice, you know, if you only ever practice yoga, you're going to wear the long-term effects of only ever practicing one modality of movement. Mm, okay. If you only ever if you play guitar or drums, mm-hmm. Eight hours a day for six days a week, you are going to wear the effects of that. Yeah. And it's it's true across all parts of our lives. But I think that something that definitely in my teaching is more prevalent now is how can we incorporate different styles of movement so we stay healthy? Okay. So yeah. if you always do a push activity, or if you always do a pull activity, or if you're dominant with, I don't know, your right hand, how can you? become more competent in your left or how can you take pressure away from that area and use other co you know muscles that sit in the same area Mm. to keep yourself healthy and well so yeah that's my opinion physically i'm not a physiotherapist i put that out there right now every class i teach (laughs) i feel like i'm like p.s i'm not a physio i can't diagnose anyone but i we we at this at power living studio we have physiotherapists that work with us in fact one of the owners is one of the co-owners is a physiotherapist oh great so Everything that we teach, and definitely, I think that our studio—I don't want to blow smoke up our own ass—but is at the <laughs> is at the forefront of offering healthy mobility right. for people within the spectrum of yoga. Mm, yeah. So, so it is knowing what you're doing, getting the right advice, because a lot of people practice yoga at home and totally. going off of YouTube videos, which yeah, I'm sure is fine, but you don't. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You don't know if you're doing it wrong a lot of the time. But the guy on the screen isn't going to be like, oh, hang on a sec. This is going to hurt you if you do this. Your, yeah. your knees over your toe or whatever yeah, it is. This yeah, is going to yeah, that's right. You know. As well, there's a bit of like people, I've, I've noticed, it's hard for people to know where they are in space. Like whenever you start doing any movement, I recently started doing Pilates. It's really hard. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's been a while since I've started a new activity that I had no familiarity with because I already go to the gym. I practice lots of yoga. I walk a lot. Mm. But I don't do any jumping. I don't do any swimming. I don't do any contact. I don't do any pulling. So Pilates is all pulling. And at some points I'm like, which is my right arm? And I'm standing here setting up for this, setting up to do this movement. And until like, until you learn where you are in space, it's, it's like learning a new language. It's like learning music or like learning Hindu, Hindi or learning, um, I don't know, like learning to row a boat. It could be anything. It's a learning pattern but practice repetitively there could be injury maybe not i don't Mm. i don't want to i don't think that yoga i don't think any movement is inherently dangerous i just don't believe that 
Okay. I don't think so. Yeah. No. So in terms of the mental benefits, mm. how do you think yoga can play a part in, in our lives? Yeah, good question. I left that pretty open, so I kind of want to see why you go with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mental benefits. I feel like mindfulness is this term that just gets like chucked around these days I'm so glad you said that word because that's um, right yeah yeah let's get into <laughs> like, let's get into it gets, mindfulness it gets thrown around and you know there's coloring books for mindfulness and i'm 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 down for it but and i think it's fine but i also i don't i think that people who practice anything or who self-examine um you know, there's an onus on that person to understand where they're at with their own mental health because that is kind of a caveat that I would like to put on anything that's offered in the yoga realm. Mm-hmm. It is not, in my very inexperienced opinion, a substitute for clinical mental health or, you know, like for, for the the realness of surviving in the world. Right, yeah. I think that for sure the self-awareness and um, awareness of what my mind is thinking has improved given over the time I've been practicing yoga. For example, I used to um, become one of my um, reactions when I feel triggered or uncomfortable is that I become very angry. Mm. Um, And that's how I choose to react. And what I've come to realize in my own mental patterning is that that's what occurs. Because prior to that, it's just this thing that happens and I have no fucking idea how it's happening. And I always feel bad after and I feel shit during. And I've got, I don't know how I've ended up at this point where what's occurring is this uncomfortable um, interaction with someone or with myself. Mm. So the anger that I'm feeling, I had no clarity on how that was occurring. Yeah. So the healthy mental state for me has been improved because I can see how that occurs now. A better example is I used to go to this yoga teacher's class and for like six months I went to this chick's class and I fucking hated her. Like I actively didn't like her. So I actively went to her class more and I was like, what is occurring for me when I'm here? Why am I so riled up? Like I would go and be like, oh, I fucking hate her. And I would go, it sounds sadistic, I would go <laughs> and I would go, what is going on for me? Like, Because originally I was like, I don't like her, I don't like this. Okay. And then I was like, why don't I like this? What's yeah. going on for me mm. about why I'm not liking this? And until, you, until I got to that point where this like, it's like a, a switch flipped and I went... You know, there's this thing I don't like about her. I don't feel connected to her, and so I'm angry. My reaction is anger. I'm triggered about this. My reaction is anger. And then the next part is, do I want to keep doing this? That, for me, is more mentally healthy than continuing, avoiding her, yeah. one, or continuing to be angry and having no clarity on why. So, so it's a lot of a lot of uh, self-awareness, almost self-examination as well. Traversing the inner world. Okay. What is occurring I see what you did there. You kind of brought that back. Yeah. What is occurring (laughs) for me? Yeah, for sure. And there's, um, you know, there's a lot of um, really excellent um, reading slash 
self-improvement work you can do around understanding behaviors triggers mental patterning etc um and how and and what the feeling is behind that because for me when um there's all these different examples i have but for me when there are other times when i feel really triggered by situations and i try and control them or i become aggressive or angry aggressive is probably a little bit strong now but like aggravated or um bitey i would kind of describe yeah. it as like bitey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's occurring for me the feeling is that i feel scared oh. and so to understand where in the past that comes from again there's a whole lot of literature around this it's not like kelly.com but you know <laughs> to understand where that comes from and then to see that as a rational adult mm. and ration a rational adult at a point in their life when they can see it and you know, when you, for me, my experience of seeing stuff like that is that I feel embarrassed yeah. and I feel shame and I feel sadness. And to sit with that for a little while, not to live there or wallow there or whatever, but to have an awareness around what's, a, what's the trigger and what I've chosen yeah. and then why that's happened. That and then that I can see that as a rational adult opens the door to what else is available. Because without the what else is available, you know, it's pretty hard to move towards a more, you know, holistic, who am I really? Who do I want to be? Who am I really? Mm. Am I scared, Kelly, all the time when I'm uncomfortable? And I don't want to live there. I don't want to live there. No, of course. I don't think many people want to live there. No. But if we don't, if for me, in my experience, if I didn't examine where that came from, then my own capacity to change that situation would have, wasn't there. And now it is. And so that's the mental health component for me. Also, neurologically, putting yourself in a situation where you are uncomfortable but you are safe trains your brain to be able to deal with being uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of um, pain research and science around that. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's not my area of expertise. Okay. But NOI is a great institute that does a lot of pain research and they are definitely worth having a look up if you want to know more about it. They're okay. really, really awesome and to understand. So um, this is, you know, when when you're in a class, you're not asked to go into a pose where you're really challenged necessarily in mm. the first 10 minutes, for example, Yeah. because there's a level of safety that your body creates. Okay. So you feel safe enough to explore. That's not mental health necessarily, but it can be. But one thing I really like about yoga is, uh, from talking to you, it's it's I like that it's not a one size fits all. It's it's not that you come in and like going back to the the media and the handstands and stuff. It, it's not like cool. Well, you've been coming here six months. You, you better get that handstand together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like really, like in your honest opinion, as someone who's practiced yoga for what you said about twelve years in on total now. Yeah, yeah, I cheated on yoga for a while with horse riding. Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good substitute. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, um, anyway, you weren't at yoga, it's like, yeah, just riding the horse. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, like, you know, these these headstands and yeah. all these like, over-the-top poses, what's the point in them? Is there any benefit? It's a good question. Um, Other than <clears> trying <throat> to make yourself feel better, saying, look what I can do, and this is something you can't do. Because I feel like that's what happens on Instagram. Yeah, I, b- I believe there is. There's a couple of angles to answer that question. One of them, again, is that a physically healthy body will last you longer than an unhealthy physical body. We're living in an era where the people who will live to 100 have already been born. Yeah. And they will need their physical shell body to survive. 
So physically putting your body under challenge, whether that's at yoga, whether that's lifting weights, whether that's body combat, whatever you do, yeah. yes, I believe that there are physical benefits to physical challenge. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I also... I'm just trying to remember the front end of the question again. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering um, what, how you think that... Yeah, the other, sorry, let me... I've got one more thing to say about that. Yeah, go for it. The physicality of particular types of postures, the history around that um, is that certain types of postures elicit certain responses in the body. And again, this is Eastern before there was um, what we would call kind of Western medicine around what are the what happens if you do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, so Eastern-wise, yes, there are physical benefits to... Um, sorry, there are energetic benefits mm. to um, taking a particular style of practice. So a while ago, I'm not an expert on this at all. In a more traditional Hatha yoga style practice, a what would be called a moon practice is like forward folding and twisting. Okay. And so the aim is to stabilize and to calm. Mm. That's kind of the aim. Energetically, that's what the aim is. Okay. So... The tradition of yoga talks about there being particular benefits mm-hmm. of particular styles of or families of postures. Oh. So twisting and forward folding, they're two separate families, but they sit in the kind of calming and stabilizing moon practice. So traditionally, there are believed benefits energetically to doing particular postures, for sure. So this whole, and I try to get my head around this, and the, the more I read about it and the more I hear about it, I, I find it so hard to grasp this kind of, and I know it's quite expansive, this whole yogi philosophy of, of energy. And some people, like, I've like, looked into stuff like kundalini yoga about this serpent, like, like awakening in your back and rising up through yeah, you. Yeah. And then, uh, what's the other thing I came across? The, um, is, it, is it mundras? Mudras. Uh, mudras with like the hands and yeah. like energy in the fingers. I mean, yeah. can you kind of like condense in, in, <laughs> in the best way you can? Thousands of years Please of yoga. Please condense 5,000 years of yogic ideas around mudras into no, one. Yeah, okay, I, let me try. Sorry. Well, no, I, I think I guess what I'm, what I'm asking then is can you give um, a kind of comprehensive definition of what, when we're discussing energy in mm. yoga, like an energy in a room and the energy mm. in us, what are we talking about? Mm. That's a good question. I don't know if I can answer that. Okay. I can answer from um, some reading I've done just today and maybe as well from a personal point of view. Mm. So we talk about um, traditional yogic texts talk about um, different layers of energy. So the physical body, as in the muscle, the fat, the skin, is one layer of energy that we would think about. Koshas, I think they're called five koshas. And they kind of work like um, a babushka doll where you go inwards. Yeah, so they get kind okay. of more towards the center. Okay. You know those Russian oh, dolls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know exactly and you like, take mean. one out, there's another one in there. Um, yes. So the, the physical body is kind of the most exterior or hardest layer mm. of energy when we're talking about the body, the physical vessel. Okay. As soon as we start going inwards, um, they become more and more subtle. So the breath is kind of what they say is the coarsest layer or coarsest obviousness of an of energy. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever walked into a room and felt an energy in the room? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. So 100%. I think that... Um, 
I and have you ever like this is an even more extreme example but have you ever had your eyes closed or not been facing the way some and you feel someone behind you yes or you feel someone's eyes on you there is in my opinion and in Russell Brand's opinion in fact mm. things in this world that we can neither see touch taste or necessarily comprehend with the thinking mind yeah so when we think about that, it's like infrared light. Do you believe infrared light exists? Yes. Can yeah. you see it? No. Ah, okay. Cool. But the, like I said before, and like the asana, the postures, the shapes, mudras or putting your hands in a certain way mm-hmm. or ritualizing how you control yourself or how you move yourself is like the way in. It's the way in deeper. I can't describe to you what transcendence or like um, yoking or divinity is because I haven't experienced it. Okay. But do I think that, I think that, and I believe that there is more to me and you and us and the planet more wholly than the five senses can interpret. Okay. It, it's I really like that example of, of infrared light because I think it is that's a pretty good way to put it because it, it's it's so complex to get your head around because we can't <laughs> yeah. I, unless I'm wrong like a lot of this stuff isn't isn't backed up by science it's not like they're testing it in a lab and be like oh well the yogis are right it or, depends or are they? I mean, it depends it's been done so some um, there's a text I'm reading at the moment around what's called yoga nidra um, which is a yogic sleep it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know it sounds too good to be true. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and there is an example of um, I think it's um, I can't remember his name. I think it's Swami Satyananda, um, and he yeah it's Swami Satyananda Saraswati is um, in a lab, and um, they've hooked him up to all these machines, and he's written this book, and it's early like early sixties, but yeah. yeah, there is um, there is particular science around it. If you want something more kind of concrete around altering your traits then um there's a great book around meditation called the science of meditation that's a really great book and it's written by two um, guys who um, have both studied at harvard both dedicated meditators and yogis and they they um yeah there, there is science i mean that's like saying is there science that you should move your body Mm. But the energetic, like the difficulty for people, and this is where the the question at the beginning, the religion and the spirituality comes in. Like, what do you believe? Yeah. And what can you embody? Like, for sure, I've definitely had some experiences where I go, whoa, I don't know what happened then. I don't know what plane I was in, but I didn't feel like I was here. As in, Uh, I'm here, but I'm not here. And that's occurred for me in different modes. Sometimes it's in a shavasana. Sometimes it's been in yoga nidra. Sometimes it's been in meditation. And where time becomes elastic and that it's not linear. And there is science around that. Ah, There is definitely quantum physics around, like, um, I I think it's called string theory. Uh String theory is this. Go and look it up. It's like this really fucked up, crazy, not fucked up. It's just like crazy... Sciency amazingness of all these things we can't see. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like I I'm 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 not even going to try to explain string theory because I, I believe there's probably a 
small handful of people on the planet who truly exactly. understand yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, like, I think like most of us, you, we've watched half a dozen TED Talks, retain the information, and then a week yeah. later, we're like, uh, what did they say about that thing again? I mean, you just yeah. like try to think of like Big Bang episodes or something yeah. to try to like, oh, what did Sheldon say? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny, like how you talk about Russell Brand, and I was doing a bit of research more into his yoga and, and his practice. Okay. And. I found a really cool quote from him, and he said, um, it, it was talking kind of about the spiritual revolution, mm-hmm. and this is from Russell Brand. he said, it's difficult to believe in yourself because the idea of self is an artificial construct. Uh, you are, in fact, part of the glorious oneness of the universe. Everything beautiful in the world is within you. Mm. What a beautiful quote. It's really nice, isn't it? Mm. And th- this idea of the self being an artificial construct... Mm. Okay. What's your what's your mm for? Um it kind of goes back to what I said. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it, if you the the one thing they say in our um you know, lots of yoga texts is they say there's two self and capital S self and little s self. Okay. And that the self, the way to the self is through the self. <laughs> it's okay. all about the self. Okay. <laughs> um, so when they talk about like the infamous they, when yeah right <laughs> when they when they talk about the self, there's a couple of ways to think about it. One is self as in ego, the ego self, uh-huh. as in the identifier as me, my, I, um, all those prepositions. Is that a preposition? No. Um, pronouns. Pronouns. Um, yeah so to think about me my and I Mm -hmm. that's one of the self as in that's my water bottle or my house but those things don't define your actual self which in really simplistic terms we would say is a soul okay the soul is the self but it's the one that is complete on its own Mm -hmm. that doesn't require um, any facading around it or doesn't require any scaffolding like we paint onto ourselves. I am a yoga teacher. I am married. I am 31 years old. I am living in Glenelg. Like the, all right. these all these self-identifiers that we paste on and it's kind of like paper, paper mache. Mm. And so the way to... But the way to get to the soul is to remove those things all the inhibitors between you and me oh. all the things that make me think that I'm different to you right. or that my soul or your soul is not as worthy as another mm. that's where the the kind of that to, to what I understand in that quote that's the artificial idea of ourselves yeah. whereas like the Atman is what's called your soul in Sanskrit but the Para Atman is the collection of all of the souls all of the Atmans, as in entirety of the Atmans collected together. It's the idea of a single drop in the ocean and the ocean in one single drop, and each of us is that. Each living thing is that. Okay. So the possum that crawls on your roof at night is part of that chain. <laughs> it's got to be like when that's happening at night, it's got to be difficult to it, remember. Yeah. It's part of it. It's it is. Yeah, it. I woke it's... up last night to a possum on my roof. Oh. I was like, what the fuck is that? 
Yeah, like I had no idea. Before I came to Australia, I had no idea. And then I was on a, um, I was on like a little weekend trip to to Kangaroo Island. Oh yeah. And yeah, just about wildlife. I was like, oh, yeah. Man, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's beautiful there. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, it's it's a great little corner of the world. It's mm. it's so untouched almost as well. Yeah. It's really really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice, and it's it's good. I think. Um, in a more holistic way, I believe, to expose ourselves back into the natural world. Mm. Because it's so easy to believe that four walls and television and a tiny contraption that we hold in our hands that connects us to the internet, PS, infrared alike, can't be seen, that connects us to all of the connects, like in quotes, connects us to these things actually in my opinion, disconnects us from our humanity and from, like, this is not a preach, whatever. But disconnects us from the idea of divinity even more because we don't understand natural order. It's funny how, and and we're really kind of going down this road, which is great, but one thing I found constantly, especially kind of amongst um, some musicians when, like, everybody's fighting for the same job. If there's, um, I don't know, whoever it is, you know, the hottest band in town at the moment yeah. auditioning for a new guitarist like yeah. people like 100 guitarists are going to go for that job yeah. I spend 6 hours a day you know thinking oh, is my image right for this gig is my playing right my, my guitar tone my everything that goes around it because they want to be able to put on their CV at least in kind of like the more session world where mm-hmm. you play for various artists you might do orchestra work theatre work whatever it's okay how can I get this on my CV I need to have this name behind me so when I meet someone my elevator pitch is oh I've played with so and so and they're like oh, I know that person mm. that's a household name okay. and they've, they've, they've improved their self worth but they haven't really that's what you're saying they need to reconnect and let go of this the, the egotist, uh, egotistical self right mm. well I mean I don't want to. I, I don't want to say that because I don't really. I can't speak for what it's like being a guitarist, and I assume that there is a level of like um, qualification required. <laughs> like that there is a thing. But if I would, my comment around that would be, if the desire to be seen as um, successful is greater than the love of playing. Yeah. then that's where the disjoint is because okay. the love of playing like that's a divine thing to do yeah. that's amazing and for some people that's the expression of their art that's mm. their greatest that's their beautiful contribution to the world like music or mantra like singing or repetition of words is part of in my opinion like the, some of the most amazing things that happen on this planet yeah it's amazing it always blows my mind if you go to a music festival and you've got a stage with just four individuals mm. who collaboratively come together, decide to play a certain number of, of notes um, just in a particular order, and then thousands of people flock and stand there and for they hours. Sing and they repeat the words that those people wrote. Right. It's beautiful. It's, it's, like, it's enough to give you goosebumps. It's amazing. Mm. It's an amazing... That's a that's to my mind a true interconnection. Oh, okay. That is connection. That's not fake. That's not like it's it's such a beautiful. It's it's connecting to other humans. Yeah. That's what it is. It's connecting to divinity. I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm, I think it's special. Um, starting to wrap up now. Okay. A little bit. 
<laughs> I want to. No, it's got like a little I, bit. Well, no, it's no. It's okay. Go. Uh, we can. I know we could just talk about this stuff all day, um, and then I just be like in the editing suite for like, <laughs> a year. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, we did that interview a year ago. Now it's just yeah. being aired. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we spoke a little bit about kind of consciousness and meditation. Mm. I feel like a lot of people, again, what we were talking about, the media and sometimes what gets people into yoga is like, mm. oh, look at that great headstand. And, um, <laughs> and meditation can be seen as, I, I don't want to almost say like a cliche now, but it's almost like a hipster thing. Sometimes it's like, you know, I'm going to have my avocado on toast and, I, and I'm going to go meditate. And I've partly described myself there as well. But a lot of people do it. What do you think the true benefits of meditation are? And are they, are they often achieved by people, you know? Oh, um, great question. That's, for me, such a massive question to ask because it goes right to the heart of, like, what is the true benefit of being quiet and being in touch with yourself? And mm. I don't mean that in the most, like, cliched kind of... <laughs> freaky advertisement way that it sounds but I mean it in the like for each of us that's something different I there are I've mentioned that book the science of meditation Mm. there are um, clearly understood empirical benefits of meditation for people's capacity to be altruistic for people's capacity to be um, less reactive Mm and to have what they call altered traits, so to alter themselves in a way that is a positive benefit in that individual's, from that individual's perspective. So I think that the science around it is sound. Um, I think that, um, I don't think cultural appropriation is the word, but I think that there is a level of like, it's very trendy to meditate. It is, right? The reality, though, like, speaking from someone who, I'm a yoga teacher, I meditate, you know, that doesn't give me any clout, but, you know, I, I meditate every, you know, at least, I never miss two days in a row. Okay. That's, yeah. how I, that's how I approach meditation. I never miss two days in a row. I've done a couple of, um, I've done a meditation course. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm, and I think, I think, the hardest thing, and you know, if anyone's like, I'm just going to meditate, I'm like, well, good fucking luck. Because the <laughs> hardest thing, in my opinion, is the discipline to do it. Ah, okay. In my opinion. Because you can sit there all day with your eyes closed and your spine straight, but if you are not honest with yourself and if you, um, you know, are just sitting there entertaining every, and I'm not saying this is wrong because this is the mind's job to entertain thoughts and to think like your mind's job is to keep your body alive period that's its job Mm -hmm. keep your body alive survival Mm -hmm. that your mind's job is to think but the thing is when you meditate it's i have this really weird analogy that i'm about to share but it's this idea of watching the thoughts you're watching your mind thinking when i used to meditate I um, Like I said, I used to be a horse rider and I used to ride through these beautiful pine forests and they're really soft. They've got beautiful brown needles on the floor because they've all fallen off the trees and the green trees and it's it's idyllic. It's the mo- some of the most beautiful places I've seen have been on horseback. And so when I, when I was riding, I was alone once and I was just trotting along this kind of abandoned path and I'm like on this horse mm. 
Anyway, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's this beautiful pine forest. And it's almost as though I'm watching myself from behind riding that horse. Like, who's watching you? Okay. So I can see the back of my head. The more important question is, who's watching? Who is it that's seeing you do the thing you're doing? And to me, that is meditation. Right. When, and that's the self. That's the soul, the Atman, the, like, the indestructible part that doesn't die. Yeah. Those 21 grams, that's it. That's the thing that's watching. Okay, that's very cool. And so the benefits to get back to your actual question. No, it's good. We went on a journey. The benefits, yeah, sorry. The benefits (laughs) of, um, you should just cut that bit out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, it's so staying in this podcast now. The true benefits of meditation are, in my opinion, stillness and silence. Two things that are not prevalent if you live a general life. Stillness and silence and the openness to look into what it is that's occurring for you behind the masks. Okay. That's the benefit. That's a really cool quote. I really like that. That's yeah. great. So for anybody out there who has probably seen yoga as these crazy back bends and whatever else, these mm. yeah, I mean even yeah. Like, whatever movie, TV, like, social media, there is still this stigma around yoga. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm, and I do believe, it's, not all the time, sometimes a certain kind of person is drawn to it. And I think a lot of us are sort of seen as this hippie, yeah, um, yeah man, Weed it's cool. smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There's a lot as well. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, I can't do yoga. And I'm like, that's like saying you're too, like, I can't come because I can't do yoga. It's like saying you're too dirty to take a bath. I'm too dirty to take a bath. I just can't. Like, if you can't comfortably bend down to put your jocks on in the morning, you should probably think about that. <laughs> like, yeah. you should definitely think about... And it doesn't have to be yoga. Like, I, I practice yoga, but I, if, you know, if there's a physicality in your life that's uncomfortable mm. or a mental, like, I don't want to say issue, but, like, something in your life where you have moments where you're like, what the fuck did I just do? Yeah. Like, that's who it's for. It's for people who are willing to look... People are willing to look deeper than the outside. So it's just having, it's that honesty to say, similar to me, like maybe, I don't believe anybody, I, I think it can happen, but a lot of us aren't truly 100% happy. How can we be with everything that's shoved in our faces in our lives and the challenges we face? Mm-hmm. But if we actually have the ability to look inwards at ourselves and we can, like you were saying, like, why do I fucking hate this yoga teacher? <laughs> why am I angry? But you can actually look in yourself and say, like, like um, I know so many guys who have like practiced and practiced their, their instrument and their craft for like eight hours a day mm. and then they do a performance. And to everyone else it's great, but to them they're like, they just beat themselves mm. up and they cut themselves up about mm. that performance. It's not healthy, it's not good. It's, I wouldn't say, I mean, there's two, there's two schools of thought. One is that it's not healthy and it's not good and you know, you, I, I don't want to live there. I don't want to live self-punishing for every mistake I ever make. Mm. Like every chord struck that was wrong. Wow, what, what an unhappy, not even unhappy, what a wasted use of things to be critical about. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's, choose, let's choose something like climate change that might matter. Okay, yeah. Or, you know, let's, I, think, I think you can, in my opinion, you can use yourself as an example for other people. That's, that's what happens be an example of self-love self-forgiveness self-awareness 
mindfulness, whatever you want to call it. But um, it's funny how this idea of love seems to surround yoga and meditation and this love, this community, mm. this common unity. Mm. I like you, but kind of going back to what we're talking about, yeah. the souls. And it's just great because I think uh, personally, once you kind of step into this this bubble, mm. like because in the media, it's like you see the Instagrammers and mm. it's like, oh my God, this is what I can do. That may be what gets you into it. Mm. But it's like a veil gets lifted and you're like, oh wait, this is actually what it is. It's, mm. This is great. This is full of this is full of love and, and self-awareness and self-inquiry and yes. interest yeah and and I, yeah I liked that coming togetherness for sure it's a really it's a really beautiful practice and it is a practice it's not just like oh I'll just rock up and yeah do and this for five minutes and then I'll bugger off it, yeah. it's a conscious practice. it's a consciousness for sure and you know that over time for me has translated itself into really simple things like having respect for my parents or more respect for my parents I should say or more um, respect for my partner or more understanding when the guy from Foxtel is five hours late like that that it trans it it changes from the stuff that happens on the plastic two meters squared Mm -hmm. to how it is that your life is outside of those plastic two meters squared on a yoga mat what is occurring it's for pretty, me. It's pretty cool. That it's very cool. You can spend, let's just say, say, three, four days a week on a rubber mat having somebody say to you, do this, go to these poses, mm. stay focused, keep your breathing to a certain rhythm. And that can just translate into your whole life yeah. <laughs> to the point when you're like, I, I can see more, I have more respect for my mum and dad. Mm. Your relationship with your partner can improve. Mm. You're just the everyday person in your life. Yeah. And it's really crazy. I, like, I lived in London for about four or five years, and God, I hated tourists. Every time they'd be on the, uh, the escalator the wrong way. On the wrong side, yeah. Oh, you want to punch them. <laughs> but now Such you're just like, uh, like, it's like, namaste. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, that sounded really sarcastic, but, like, you genuinely have this, at least for me, who, um, like, going back to the whole practice and... Um, this this constant self improvement that so many of us in the in, in the entertainment industry, this cutthroat industry, mm. we have to we have to maintain to be better. Mm. So you're more relaxed. There's an interesting. I, I I was thinking just before. There's an interesting way to think about that. Do you constantly have to be better? And for lots of us, we say yes. Mm-hmm. But there's also time to avoid burnout. Where and it's more of a Buddhist philosophy than it is a yogic philosophy, which is more around transcendence. But Buddhist philosophy would say you're already whole Mm, you're actually not missing anything part of the human experience is that if you truly like you're already you've already got everything you need sometimes all you need is time sometimes what you need is consolidation sometimes what you need is to push but everything you need you already have it's already there it's already there it's already there that's great. Got it. I think that's a really good note to end on, actually. Thank you so much for coming no along. Worries. It's been a pleasure to have you. And it's been really great to learn more about the yogi philosophy, your experiences, um, hopefully how it can benefit other people. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, who's who's just kind of got into yoga in the past six months, just for a bit of um, strengthening in my body and myself. Um, for anybody out there who's listening, give it a go. What have you got to lose? Go to yoga, go to Pilates, try Bikram if that's for you. (laughs)
give it a shot. If not, what have you lost? A couple of evenings of your life, one week. Try some meditation. Um, some of the, the books that, that Kelly was talking about today, let's check those out. Um, and cool. Uh, we'll catch everybody in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And thank you, Kelly.